after thanksgiving, what next? The children of Israel left Egypt. When Pharaoh could not contain them again, fearing that after the death of the firstborn sons, another horrible thing will happen. So he let them go. And while they were on the journey, guess what? Satan entered into the heart of Pharaoh again. Go bring them back. Who will do the labor? Go bring them back. They are slaves here. And they must serve us. How can they go like that? Now the children of Israel were perplexed, seeing that the army of Pharaoh was on, this, on one side and the river, the Dead Sea, was on the other side. What will they do? As they were actually thinking about it, God Almighty did the miracle of parting the water. Go and read some of the passages and you see that God parted the water, congealed the sand, the, the soil, at the bottom of the water as if there had never been a drop of water on it before. That the children of Israel walked through and what actually made the children of Israel to go through swallowed up the whole army of Egypt. If you want to know what the army of Egypt was like, go and read you know, the description of the armies then. They will tell you that the army of Egypt was a force that you cannot in any way go and fight with without much preparation. The children of Israel had no weapon, probably cutlass or, you know, axes in their hands. But the great army of Egypt was destroyed by God. Guess what? After that, there was thanksgiving. They danced and sang and they just lost their mind because indeed God had shown them his power and they knew that they were not the people that fought but God fought on their behalf. The celebration was so much that after Moses led by the spirit had actually altered the words of hymns to the glory of God we were told that Miriam the prophetess the sister of Moses led the, the, the women into singing again with trembles in their hands that was a joyful occasion then after thanksgiving for the children of Israel what was next grumbling and complaining at different intervals the children of Israel had a lot to complain about they were traveling after the crossing of the 
Dead, uh, the, the Red Sea, they now found that they had no water. They had traveled three days. They had no water. Water. They were thirsty, but not in any way to the point of saying that they are going to die. But they complained and complained and complained. The name of the place was Mara. And the Mara, according to the scriptures, means grumbling. Maribel, Maribel, Mara complaining or testing, testing God. The one that they had proclaimed to be above every other God. The one that they actually, you know, they, 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 they sang hymns of praise to him. They now complained and said, Moses, and you and your God, you brought us out of Egypt in order to come and kill us here. Can you relate that with the thanksgiving they did? Is that not a contradiction of what actually they expressed to God? Since two Sundays ago when we came together to do thanksgiving, have you had cause to doubt God? Have you had cause to grumble? Have you actually had some experiences to, to say in your heart of heart? I don't think this God exists. But you came two Sundays ago to dance and give thanks. Why? Because it was compulsory? No. Then the Bible tells us that the children of Israel got to a place and, of course, their supplies that they took from Egypt was actually getting empty. And they were hungry. But guess what? They said that Moses and God had brought them out of Egypt in order to starve them. To starve them in the desert so that they would die. They were hungry, yes. Hunger and starvation are two different things. It shows the way we think. And I want to think, I, I want you to actually reason with me. Don't we do that even as Christians? They got to another place and you will see the sequence of the things that actually these people were experiencing. They had no water again. And then they went to Moses and complained to Moses. The first water they got at Mara, which was bitter, God sweetened it for them. Could that not be enough for them to know that this God would surely take them to where? To the promised land. Then they got to a place again. They had no water. And they went to Moses and complained to Moses again. Children of God, the complaints that these people had were on things that even the Gentiles seek after. And we too are complaining about them. And God said to Moses, choose the elders of Israel. Don't go by yourself. I will go with you and the elders of Israel and you will use the road in which you used to part the water to strike it on the rock and water will come out. That is God for you. 
Now, in all the complaints that these people had, guess what? They were thinking about the times they knew in Egypt. Oh, we will sit before pots of meat. Huh? And we will eat and eat and eat until we are tired of eating. Was that true? They were complaining about the slavery that Egyptians had actually put them. But now, it seems to see, oh, where we were coming from is by far better than where we are now. God is not here. Children of God, it is important for us to know that we are not far away from the behavior of the children of Israel as Christians. Believers in Christ. Those who will come to church on the Sunday morning and will actually give thanks to God, give praise to God, and then go from Monday to Saturday and leave as orphans. As if God has rejected us. As if God is nowhere to be found. As if God is not caring about us. As if God is not mindful of the things that actually we go through. Even when we go through pain, children of God, it is important for us to note that some of these behaviors can be found in at least five things, five things concerning our way of thinking, our way of perceiving God. The first one is this, huh? children of God, many of us are short-sighted. I have it in your bulletin written in the pastor's corner so that you may take it home and ponder on this particular reasons. One, we are short-sighted. We see only the things around us now. Whatever is happening to us now will determine our spiritual orientation, our emotions. If something good is happening, then we think about God as a good God. When something not so good is happening, oh, God, where are you? Are you sleeping? We are controlled by our surroundings. Whatever we are feeling now, do you know what I see according to biology, what uh, changes with the weather? cold-blooded animals. They change with the weather. And the truth of the matter is this. Children of God, Satan will want to use it in order for you to curse God. You know what he said to Job? Concerning Job, Satan said to God, let me touch him and see if he will not curse you. Circumstances around you may not be favorable, but I pray that you will look beyond your circumstances and you will see Jesus and him crucified to know that the love that he has for you cannot be measured for 
he actually stretched out his hands. I love you this much. The second thing is this. In many times, we evaluate our worth. We evaluate our worth probably by the services that we have rendered to God and we say that we have been shortchanged by God. We have been cheated by God. After laboring in the house of God, after doing all the services in the house of God, should this bad thing happen to me? Children of God, we see ourselves as deserving every good thing that we receive from God. And when bad things come to us, God, this is to the wrong address. I met with a passage as if I've never, I've, I've never, never read, read it before some weeks ago. And it's found in the book of Luke chapter 17. And the Lord God Almighty wanted for us to note one thing about it. 17 beginning from verse 5 to 10. The Lord wanted for us to note something about it. By saying this parable, a master and a slave had just gone to work. The slave, of course, must have done you know, the lion's share of the job because the master may just be controlling the, 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 the slave. And when the slave came home, huh, he expects that the master will say, go and eat and just relax. No, he said, go and prepare food for me that I may eat. What will the slave do? Go and prepare. Go and prepare the food. And after he had actually even done all this, will the master say thank you? No, sir. Why? Because the slave is doing his job. Children of God, we merit nothing before God. He owns us. He's not owing us anything. The salvation that you have is actually given to you free. The life that you live is given to you free. Imagine if God is going to sell us the air that we're breathing. Huh? How much will we pay for it? Do you know that you pay for the road that you ply even though it has portals? The tax that you give to the government. Yet, nothing is done about it. But God has given us the essential things of life free. And then you complain to him that he has shortchanged you. He's not actually looking at you with all the services that you render. I am a pastor. And being a pastor doesn't mean that whatever I receive, I receive because I deserve it. I deserve nothing. Nothing. Therefore, whatever I receive from the Lord, I must receive it with what? With gratitude. 
Oh, how short-sighted and how much we evaluate ourselves as worth as being worth something when we are nothing. The third thing is actually this. We grumble because we lack faith. And we are all together spiritually lost. We grumble because we lack faith. We are faithless. God has done something for you and you have actually proven that yes, this God is my God and I will serve him forever. And we say, it's now a slogan, it's a slogan in the church of God. God is good all the time. Are you actually sincere about that? Are you sincere about that? God is good all the time. You see in your heart of heart, there are sometimes he is not good though. See Peter. Peter was in the boat. Then he saw Jesus walking on the water. And he looked. They were afraid at first. And then he beckoned and he told them, it's me. Don't be afraid. Who invited himself to go into the water? Peter. Let me come to you, Lord. And the Lord said, oh, come. But when he got out and he was walking on water. Huh? He looked around and saw the waves. And he started to sink. Why? Faith was gone. A lot of us do that. We sink easily. When troubles come. When troubles come, we sink easily. Faith is lost. We become spiritually lost. We pray and we do not even know what we are praying for. I pray that by the grace of God, before we sink, the Lord himself will pull us out. So we will not be buried inside the, the ocean. The ocean of life can swallow you up. But by faith, we walk each Fourthly, I see that laziness can actually be the result of our grumbling. Laziness. Some of us are lazy. We are lazy at work. We are lazy at home. We are lazy at school. We are lazy in everything that we do. And when things come and we are not compensated, we blame it on who? On God. A lot of us are lazy in prayer. Very lazy. We don't pray. We wake up in the morning, shout from our homes, get to work, and sometimes we want to, you know, cajole people by taking the Bible and saying that we are doing devotion on your desk. What a stupid way of actually relating with God. The truth of the matter is this. If you're going to walk with God, you know that God is not a lazy God. Walking with him will take the toll of you. But you will never be tired. You will never be weary. You will never faint. For he will renew your strength every time. Children of God, laziness 
has actually created a lot of things in us. We are told that some things can actually be achieved only by prayer and fasting. We call for just one day of fasting in this church. One day. And I know that more than 99% of the membership of the church don't fast. And then when things happen, oh, you know what? Huh? We are not praying enough in that church. We are not praying enough. Huh? When we called for time of prayer and fasting, because things are still easy for us, what, where were you? Of course, the last thing that I see about this is that a lot of us believe that God is not sufficient for our needs. We believe that God is not sufficient. That is why some people will say, heaven helps those who help themselves. Heaven helps those who help themselves. How Will you help yourself by adding to God? By going to Juju? By adding something to yourself to protect you? And that thing that you've added to yourself to protect you is an abomination to the Lord who is more than sufficient to be your help. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my salvation. There is nothing that I will add to him. But no, when things are happening and they introduce you to something else and you say, oh, it doesn't matter. Even pastors do it. Huh? Bishops do it. Huh? You can do it. Protect yourself. What do you do? You fall in. We take God far too small. The creator of, of heaven and earth, who is your father, becomes too small. You know, uh, Don uh, Mion, I think is his name. Moen, Moen. Moen? Okay, Don Moen. Has this popular song that he sang. And um, I looked at it and I said to myself, it has two stanzas, really, but one stanza is only known, uh, popularly known, I would say. I have made you too small in my eyes. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I have believed in a lie that you were unable to help me. But now, huh, I've come to know that you must be magnified. The second stanza actually says something. I have leaned on the wisdom of men. Oh Lord, forgive me. I have responded to them instead of your light and your mercy. But now, oh Lord, I have seen my wrong. Have you seen the wrong that you actually you commit in grumbling because of the way you look at God? Is God always with you? How can you actually get out of this thing? Quickly. Number one thing is be realistic. Be realistic. 
with life. Life is full of ups and downs. And I tell you what, if it is only smooth, if life is smooth all through, no bend, no ups, no downs, candle speaking, you will not appreciate God. It is by the difficulties that you meet on your way that you know that indeed you cannot in any way help yourself. You need someone who is by far greater than you and the one who is greater than you is God. So it is important for you to rely on the fact that life will have some thorns, some brushes that actually you cannot in any way squeeze yourself through, but you'll get scratched. The children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they thought that, ah, everything will just be pleasure forevermore. But God doesn't work that way. He's God of reality. Life will bring you sorrow, will bring you pain. Secondly, secondly, know that every complaint and murmur you make is against God and not men. It's against God and not men. Children of God, I want to ask you, how many of you take time to pray for your pastors every day? By the grace of the almighty God, it is because of you that we have been upheld. If something is going wrong and you believe that indeed the pastors are not pulling their weight, I want to ask you, have you ever stopped to pray for them? They need your prayers too. I know in some cases when master lifers will come to my office and say that uh, they have come to sign their paper and I'm telling the um, the uh, VC now uh, when they come to sign their papers and then I've signed the something for them and then they'll say uh, uh, pastor pray for us I said no I know the rules you have to pray for me you have to pray for me I know the rules if I can comment on your paper now I will say that uh, you don't know how to pray and therefore I prayed for you the truth of the matter is this, huh? When we murmur, we murmur against God and not men. Stop looking around to see the others with their line of, and silver with, and, and gold. Stop looking around to see, ah, I wish, you know, I would be like that. Stop looking around. Do you know something? The person you're looking at and you're saying that you wish to be like is also looking at you and saying, ah, I wish I, I, I could be like that. It is important for us to know that appreciating God for what we are, who we are, where we are, will make us to appreciate everything about life and enjoy it. George Beverly Shea, who wrote a song and will always sing it in many crusades where he followed Billy Graham, you know, said something, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. Huh? 
I'd rather have him than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand. Oh, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world can, can afford. But I, say, I tell you what, when we sing this song sometimes, we do not make this confession part of our lives. We run after things that are not really there. And uh, let me actually uh, pose this to you. Please develop a, an attitude of waking up well. What do, do I mean by that? Waking up well. You know, sometimes when you start doing something that actually are not our assembly, they say that you have woken up on the... Huh? Uh-huh. Well, what? Wrong side of the bed. It is not waking up on the wrong side of the bed. It is not. It is not at all. When you wake up in the morning, do you know that some people grumble? Oh, oh, it's, it's daybreak already. Oh. When you wake up like that, you have woken up on the wrong side of the bed. Not whether it is um, this side that you sleep on or that side that you sleep on. No. No. Uh-uh. Some of us wake up and we just look and say, mm, okay, it's another day. Let me tell you how to wake up well. When you wake up in the morning, huh? oh, stretch yourself. Oh, Life is beautiful. Huh? LG, life is good, Abby. Wake up like that and then smile. Oh, give a beautiful smile. Anytime I see another breaking of the day, I say, Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. When you wake up, stretch, smile, and sing. Oh, that day will be great for you. That day will be great. Why? Because you have woken up on the right side of the bed. You have started the day well. You have prophesied something good into that day. Even when evil things happen and you see them, you say, ah, all things will work for my good because I loved the Lord and I'm called according to his purpose. Seeing another day should make you happy. It is grace that has accorded you that chance. Do you know that some people slept yesterday and never woke up today? Do you know that some people are actually groaning in the hospital and even while they are in the hospital, they are still thanking God? You have shoes on and the man without shoes is thanking God that he has feet. What is your problem? 
Ah, my shoes are not, are, not, are, are not fashionable. What is that? I saw something, you know, on the clip. This man was so tired that he was walking barefooted. Then he saw the uh, 1.5 liter um, Ragulis water bottles. And he took two of them and pressed them together. Pressed them so that you, they, they will actually... And then use rope to tie them in order to actually protect the soles of his feet. And lo and behold, a little boy was looking and saying, wow, this man needs help. He broke his piggy bank, took the money to the stores, guessed the size of the man, and bought him a canvas and went to meet him under the tree and gave it to him. The man looked at it, looked at the boy. You did this for me. Children of God, we have, I know that when we go into some of your wardrobes, ah, <laughs> it will be as if you are actually manufacturing or even selling shoes. You have them in so much number to the point that you don't even know which one to wear huh? with a particular dress. We know we said something the other time. Some people come late to church, not because, you know, they cannot dress fast. They, it, took, it takes them time to choose which dress they will wear to church. They look at this and say, oh, I, I wore this, you know what, I wore this in June. This December, I wore this in June. Ah, no, 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 no. I don't want to repeat it. God has so blessed you. And yet, you are not in any way singing about it. Lastly, draw closer to God, please. Draw closer to God. If these people knew God in the real sense of it, they would not be calling God the God of Moses. The God of Moses. When you say that this is the God of Pastor Lawal, this is the God of Abioye, this is the God of whatever, what about you? Is this God your God? If you don't have a relationship with God, you will complain at everything that actually will ever happen to you. In Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, the Lord said, I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future and uh, i say this also in first peter chapter 3 verse 12 for the eyes of the lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers but the face of the lord is against those who do evil are you a righteous person? Do you actually want to do right in the sight of God? God will make his eyes to be upon you. He will keep his eyes on you. And his ears will be opened to your prayers. And I love this very much in First uh, Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overcome or overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let 
you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, it will also provide a way out that you can bear it. Do you believe this? You can only believe it if you know this God. And it's not the God of someone else, but your God. The Lord will help us to really continue to make each day a day of thanksgiving. Oh, please, huh? Tomorrow when you wake up, what do you do? Stretch, smile, sing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the word that you have given to us, the Bible, is meant for us to learn from, from the mistakes of others and from the good ways others lived, that we may be able to emulate them. And we know, Lord, our Father and our God, that we are now books that people read. Those who don't have the Bible, they are reading us. And we're praying, oh Lord, our Father and our God, that they will not in any way have wrong impression concerning you through us in the name of Jesus Christ. Almighty God, we pray that you'll give us many times of praise. So many times of praise every day to the point that Lord God Almighty, things that Satan will think that will fall us will make us even to draw closer to you. Oh, Father, we ask, may we never forget you. May we never forsake you. May we never deny you. May we never doubt you. May we never, Lord God Almighty, say that you are too small for our situation. So therefore, Lord, we pray that as we have given thanks on the Thanksgiving Sunday, oh, Father, let it be that whenever we see one another, it will be actually testimonies of thanksgiving. Oh, Lord God Almighty, even in our difficulties, we thank you. For we know that our future is safe in your hand. Father, lead us into your way. That as we serve you, Lord our God and our Redeemer, We'll serve you because we know that you are God and you are good. We'll serve you, Lord God Almighty, not wanting anything back because indeed we deserve nothing. But Lord, we'll graciously do what we need to do because of that which Christ has done and we can never do for ourselves. The salvation that we have is free from you. And so, Lord, we stay indebted to you. And in this, O Lord, our Father and our God, we'll work until the day you call us home. Bless your church, Lord. Bless your church. According to your will and glory, bless your church. And let every celebration, especially for this month of December, be true celebration from the heart. And may it all be acceptable in your sight. Thank you, Father. Lead us into our work this week. Lord God Almighty, lead us that we'll work as children of God. And Lord, 
we know that you'll be the one to bless us. Once again, Lord, we thank you for this service. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and share the grace together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Praise the Lord. Another part of worship is what we want to enter into. But if you don't want to be part of it, please, I beg you, take all that you brought to church, 